campus of Gardner-Webb University in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, this is Bulldog Dialogue. Hello everybody, I'm Gardner-Webb University President William Downs. Welcome to episode 15. Today we're focused on academics, the essential pillar of the university enterprise. To guide the conversation today, we have two of Gardner-Webb's newest academic leaders. Our two newest academic deans are with us in the studio, Dr. Robert Prickett, Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, and Dr. Natalie Bishop, Dean of the GWU Library. We'll talk about the creation and dissemination of knowledge. We'll talk about what it means to have a 21st century education, and we'll talk about career preparation. All that and a whole lot more when we come back from this short break. So stay right there. Cybersecurity is one of the most important and in-demand skill sets in today's world. And a degree in cybersecurity can provide you the foundations to identify and protect against security threats, outsmart criminals, and support governments and top organizations in their efforts to keep data safe. Cybersecurity is a rapidly growing field, and a degree from Gardner-Webb University can give you the edge you need to begin a successful career in this essential industry. The cybersecurity program is offered in person for traditional undergraduate students, as well as fully online in the degree completion DCP program. Gardner-Webb University's cybersecurity degree is based on guidelines supported by the National Security Agency, the FBI, and other high-profile organizations. For more information, visit gardner-webb.edu or call 704-406-4489. Welcome back to Bulldog Dialogue. We're delighted to have Dean Robert Prickett and Dean Natalie Bishop with us today. Let's get to know each of them, hear a bit about the parts of our university that they lead, and then challenge them to both share their visions of growth with us. We'll start first with the new guy. We're very happy to have Dr. Robert Prickett with us today. Before joining Gardner-Webb in January of 23, he served as Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, a position he held for seven years. After earning his bachelor's degrees in, at uh, Ball State University in English and in journalism, Dr. Prickett began his career in education as a high school English teacher. In 1998, he received a master's degree from Ball State in secondary education with a major in English, and then in 2004, he received another master's degree, this time in English from Virginia Tech. He earned his PhD in education, curriculum, and instruction from Virginia Tech in 2005. During his career, Prickett has held three department chair positions in education, English, and interdisciplinary studies at his two previous institutions. Welcome, Dr. Prickett. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, let's start with an easy one. Uh, what attracted you to Gardner-Webb University? You know, honestly, it was the mix. Uh, as you are well aware, every College of Arts and Science has a little spin, a little difference in it. And one of the things that attracted me to this position was, uh, honestly, the fact that the fine arts are truly incorporated into the College of Arts and Science here. Uh, that is not always the case. In some places, they're off on their own, doing their own artsy thing. Uh, and because of my background uh, and because of the work with interdisciplinary studies and as well as the kind of components that I've had in my own kind of research area, kind of being uh, multimodal and interdisciplinary, 
the fact that there was this possibility that was very intriguing to me in terms of kind of not only having that connection um, with the fine arts in the college, uh, but also, honestly, the communication art and design department, a department that has art and the journalism piece, as well as design components, um, already kind of showing that the interdisciplinary stuff's here. Uh, that's very much what intrigued me, kind of f from a structural side. Mm -hmm. And then as I was looking more and getting more uh, engaged, researching more about the institution itself, um, it, honestly, Winthrop is a categorized as a medium-sized public regional. Uh, I had previous experience at Centenary College in Louisiana as a small private liberal arts college, and I was really kind of looking forward to get back into that kind of small private liberal arts kind of community. Uh, I tend to be one who wants to be involved with everything. Uh, some people uh, say it's potentially undiagnosed ADHD, um, but I love the possibility. We'll make a note. That's we'll right. That's right. I love the possibility of looking around and saying, "Oh, this is this is something exciting over in this area. How can we get involved with this?" And so um, that's just easier to do in very real ways in a small private liberal arts. And so when I saw this. Uh, the posting for the position came across the desk. Uh, it truly was a no-brainer. Uh, I wasn't looking, honestly, for the position. Uh, but when it came across the desk, I, I applied immediately. Boom. So uh, you mentioned the fine arts. You mentioned communication, art, and design. For listeners who may not know, talk to us about what else populates a College of Arts and Sciences at a place like Gardner-Webb. Sure. I, and... In our College of Arts and Science, uh, we, we have, uh, it really is, uh, in my view, kind of the heartbeat of the college, um, especially on the undergraduate level. Uh, if listeners are familiar with the gen ed, general education, the gen ed kind of population, um, our college touches almost every major because they're going to come through one of our departments. And so it houses everything from the humanities side of things. So we've got the English and the fine arts. Um, it also covers the social sciences. So we have the poli sci, uh, political science. We have uh, history. The we greatest all, of the social uh, sciences, uh, by the Absolutely, way. of course. And then... Um, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, we have the STEM. So we've got the math, computer science. We've got uh, the sciences. And then, again, like I said, one of the intriguing pieces here is that Gardner-Webb is unique in some very concrete ways, also with the fact that we have a Department of Public Service here um, that has some really great, incredible programs going on uh, with Homeland Security Administration, um, criminal justice. Uh, again, that's another kind of unique factor about the College of Arts and Science here at Gardner-Webb. So again, for, for listeners out there who sometimes get hung up on the word liberal, what does liberal arts really mean? You know, uh, I, I, I always give this, this answer to, the, to that question in this way. Um, I say this lovingly, and if you remember back to the um, great uh, stop animation of the 70s, um, the College of Arts and Science, and Colleges of Arts and Science everywhere, we are the island of misfit toys because we have such a diverse population of programs, right? Um, I, I have education in my background, so I say this also with love. Uh, you know, if, if a, a dean of the College of Education anywhere in higher ed hands their student a tote and it says the College of Ed, they nod proudly and say, yes, I am an educator. Um, we in the College of Arts and Science, because we are so diverse, um, we 
pride ourselves on that diversity. And really, when I see that liberal arts education, that's really meant as that kind of that's how that's how I answer that. We we are a diverse body of knowledge. We want you to as a functioning citizen of the United States. Uh, we want you to know some math, some science, some English, some political science, right? And also some appreciation for those fine arts as well. So um, that island of misfit toys that we kind of say with love and pride, uh, that truly is kind of how I answer that kind of, uh, it is not politically liberal. It is a smattering of and a diversity of opportunities. I've always heard that, that it's, it's, Contrary to popular uh, understanding, it's not left-leaning. It's right. free-thinking. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. liberal in that sense. Absolutely. Um, why are the liberal arts, in your view, so critical in a 21st century economy? Absolutely. Uh, and for me, this this is kind of where I point to the, the now kind of famous story of Google. Um, so uh, Google loves to hire philosophy majors. They can train you on the computer side. In fact, in most cases, they want to train you on the computer side. But what they love about the philosophy major is the idea of deep thought. They're going to be critical thinkers. They're going to be critical readers. They're going to have an appreciation of learning, and they're going to have an appreciation of um, that component of problem solving. And ultimately, that's what the, for the liberal arts and the College of Arts and Science here at Gardner-Webb, that's really kind of where we are. And that example kind of, again, shows to me, and, and I'm, um, again, recognizing podcast is, a, is an audio medium as I pat my iPhone in my pocket. But right, you know, and when I graduated high school, we were not carrying around computers in our pockets. Um, and so, you know, 20 years from now, our students will have things that we cannot even fathom at this point, right? Uh, chat, GT, you know, AI, AI, AI is, is here and in the public realm, but what does that mean um, for us and for our students 20 years from now? And truly, the problem-solving, the interdisciplinary nature, the appreciation for abstract thought and critical thinking and reading those are all benchmarks of an arts and science and liberal arts education. And for me, that's what's the key for that kind of next step evolution for careers that we don't even fathom at this point. Do you remember years ago the presidential debate when the candidate, I'm not going to name him, but he said what America needs now, more welders and fewer philosophers? Remember that one? I do. Uh, do you think we've done a decent job since that particular time in convincing students, parents, families, others that, uh, in fact, philosophers and political scientists and sociologists and historians really are needed by our society? I think we're doing a better job. Uh, I would go to the fact that in my experience in my time in higher ed as a profession, uh, there are distinct differences in that time frame. And I think one of the main distinct differences is, um, again, my background is English. I've been in English departments. Um, when I started, we did not talk about careers with an English degree. Uh, we talked about the love of literature. We talked about the love of writing. We talked about all these great humanist things. Um, and in my time in higher ed, that transitional piece where most departments now, most programs are, as soon as you walk in, in the door, um, they're advertising it on their website. They're saying, here are the degrees, here are the programs, but then they're also sitting here saying, and here's what our alumni are doing with those programs. Here are the career paths that they are taking. 
And I think that's a key shift um, in terms of not only advertising and convincing um, parents, prospective students, the community for the value of it, but I think it's also a key shift within our profession of kind of recognizing the need for, and that it's, it's not a detriment to start out by saying, look, here is a career path. You are not going to be a starving artist. In fact, third highest component of the GDP is the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And if you are in the entertainment industry, if you are performing or if you are doing stuff backstage, you can have a career, a life, a good um, component to your existence here on earth and for our society. And so I think that's that's the kind of key argument that's still ongoing in some fields um, that, again, that are kind of just now kind of recognizing that possibility. So interdisciplinary studies are, are the coin of the realm at most universities today. Do you see opportunities for programs in your College of Arts and Sciences to collaborate in meaningful ways with, with other colleges, business, health sciences, education, divinity? A absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think uh, for me, it's looking at starting at home. So it's within the college itself. Um, I think there are some real opportunities, and I think some of those are starting already. Um, and I think some of them are kind of just in the fledgling stage of kind of abstract thought. Uh, again, I'm gonna go pick on the communication art and design. Um, each of those three are very distinct pieces of academic programming, career paths, et cetera. But I think there's some real opportunities and uh, give a shout out to Dr. Alston, department chair. Um, she's starting to have those conversations within that department and starting looking at how do we integrate um, the fine arts, the artist who wants to be a painter, how do we integrate them into the communication components and vice versa. And so they're doing some really interesting things um, just in conversation with um, looking at their photography class. Um, so they have a t photography class that's kind of a standard photography class, um, but they're having conversations right now about how they're going to alter that photography class so that it can be interesting and engaging, but also educational for both the fine artist as well as the graphic designer component, um, because that visual medium is just going to be so important um, and is so important, again, on the Internet. So, yeah. so I think there's multiple possibilities in, in, in okay. kind of in and out, as it were. So let's, let's build on that. Are there degree programs currently in arts and sciences that are in particularly high demand? What's hot? Um, and, 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 and as you gaze into the crystal ball, what do you think is going to be especially highly sought after by future students and prospective employers? Well, we just kicked off, um, as you were well aware, the MPA 10, which is the Master's of Public uh, Administration degree. Um, and by all accounts, and, and again, um, I'm going to uh, defer to you, to you, President Downs, just because uh, you're going to ha actually have a little more knowledge than I am since I, uh, within a month here. Uh, but all indications play seem, that card while you I was going to say it exactly. <laughs> so all indications that have been at least voiced to me uh, is that the MPA program is truly doubling gangbusters more more than we were expecting mm -hmm. to have happen. Um, and again, uh, a nod to the Department of Public Service and Bobby Cox on that um, department chair. Uh, sh she has set that program up, and it, lo it looks to be again um, exceeding expectations from everything that I've been told. Uh, we are about ready to launch a cybersecurity uh, program uh, on the undergraduate level and as part of our degree completion program. 
Uh, and so we, we expect that to do some really great stuff for us well, because again, that's, that's a hot area right now, um, especially for undergrads. And talking about interdisciplinary there, I mean, there's, there's just too many opportunities there to, to venture off into criminal justice and mm-hmm. homeland uh, administration, homeland security administration, um, and other components like that. The other piece that, I, that I'm excited about in terms of interdisciplinary that I think we haven't tapped into yet and is one of the areas that I think we have real possibility here is um, with our STEM program, uh, right now there's multiple kind of components uh, that they've got set up and kind of um, in their biology, chemistry, uh, and their biochem programs. But I think there's also some real possibilities there um, to expand it into some different areas. Again, I'm going to I, I'm, I seem to be kind of uh, fine arts on the mind, but um, STEAM is an incredibly mm. uh, a nice addition to it um, with that component, but also just with the College of Education and Health Services, there, there's too many opportunities there for our natural science department to not to be kind of looking into those kind of interdisciplinary opportunities. So we've talked a little bit about additions and innovations and interdisciplinary. And in higher ed in general, I think we've, we tend to be fixated these days on change. But are there some core foundations of the liberal arts that we really shouldn't mess with, that, that shouldn't change because they are so enduring, so essential to being an educated citizen? Absolutely. And I would go to um, critical thinking, critical reading, and co- collaboration, right? That that diversity component that we have mm-hmm. in the College of Arts and Science. Um, most, if not all, of our programs have critical reading, critical writing, critical thinking components to them. Um, it is truly a key kind of component of where we are, and and I think a vital component of where we are. Again, without mentioning the um, chat, blah blah blah. Um, <clears throat> so, so, that is going to be a key component of that, right? Is going to be the recognition and acknowledgement of this tool, because that's what it is to a certain extent. Um, but then it's going to be that component of how do we critically read, think, and write with that tool? Um, what are those pieces that we need to be as engaged citizens, um, but also active minds looking at and thinking through? And, and I think that's that kind of component that you get out of that general education, liberal education that we offer here at Gardner-Webb. So employers always say critical thinking, effective communication, and the ability to solve complex problems while working in groups Mm -hmm. that's what they're looking for and then they mislabel it as soft skills absolutely those are the hard skills if you look around our society today those are the elusive skills absolutely um, absolutely all right um stay with us dean priggett we're going to take a quick quick break and we'll come back and we'll be joined by dean natalie bishop from gardner webb's dover library we were right back Did you know that Gardner-Webb University now offers a Master of Public Administration degree that you can earn in as little as 10 months? That's right, the 10-month MPA is created specifically to meet the needs of active professionals. Offered in a fully online format and competitively priced, this program will prepare students for upper management positions in a variety of public and private sector fields. The purpose of the Gardner-Webb University Master of Public Administration program is to prepare students for a successful leadership role in local, state, federal, and nonprofit agencies. Gardner-Webb also offers a first responders grant to those who qualify. 
If you're currently working in a public or nonprofit service sector, you may want to check with your organization for possible financial support or grant options. The MPA 10 is a 36 semester hour master's degree program and courses are delivered in eight week terms. This is becoming a very high demand program and class sizes are limited. So if you'd like to apply or get more information, just visit gardner-web.edu. Welcome back, Bulldog Nation, and welcome to the podcast, Natalie Bishop. Congratulations, Natalie, on your new post as Dean of Dover Library here at Gardner-Webb. You're not new to Gardner-Webb. Tell our listeners a little bit about your um, Gardner-Webb story and then your path to the Dean's office. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, It is nice to join you guys today. So I have been at Gardner-Webb since 2007, so uh, nearing that 15-year mark. Um, but my relationship I with think you get a lapel pen at the 15-year mark. Oh, nice. That's better than the writing <laughs> pen. <laughs> um, my relationship with Cleveland County um, is much, much deeper than that. Um, my mom's family is from here. Uh, they have been here since the dawn of time. And so uh, this is a region of North Carolina that I care very deeply about um, because it connects to me personally, and it brought me to Gardner-Webb. My path to the dean's office uh, has been an interesting one to see it develop out. Um, I started out as an instruction librarian, and uh, never in my life did I intend to teach. And part of the role of an instruction librarian is teaching. So um, I stumbled into that a little bit by accident. Um, As I joined different uh, committees and organizations across campus, I realized that I had a passion for leadership and being part of change opportunities. Um, I like to see organizations grow and evolve and to be part of that process so that way I can contribute um, and be an informed and active member. And so um, as time progressed, uh, I moved into the associate dean role and then now I'm here at the, the dean's role. And now I'm here in the podcast studio with all of you. you have arrived. <laughs> <I> have arrived. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you in this new leadership position. For for listeners who perhaps have not been in Dover Library, or, or maybe it's been many years since they've been in there, what are the signature characteristics of Gardner Webb's library? Do we have special collections? Um, just just give us a flavor for what's distinct about our facility. So um, Gardner-Webb's library, it was built in 1974, and what is cool about that is in its simplicity really harkens back to um, a mid-century architecture, and part of that is the really open floor plan that we have on all three floors of the library. While that presents some challenges, if we also think about mid-century design, it also presents some really cool opportunities for community and gathering and how we can use and adapt that space. Um, A big change that I would like to see happen in that space, um, before we thought about spaces as fixed. We're going to dedicate this space to this fixed thing. Um, And now if we kind of harken back to that original idea, these are spaces that are flexible. They can meet 
a lot of needs. They can be changed and adapted so that way it really fits the evolving needs of our community. So that is one really cool thing about our library. We also have our University Archive Collection, which houses the Fay Webb Gardner Collection. That includes materials that date back to um, the early 1830s. We also have a Bible in our collection from uh, 1460. So that's pretty cool. Wait, sorry, not 1460. That was a Bible that we loaned from another institution, uh, 1580. So um, to have materials that our students can engage with that are that old. We also have a lot of stuff from the 1960s and we're working on that. Um, but for students to be able to come to our library and engage with materials that are very, very old and also very, very new and modern, we think that's pretty exciting. So let's, let's talk about getting students engaged. You, you have said that modern libraries should be an active hub of student learning and community engagement. How do we get some of Dean Prickett's students, the historians, the philosophers, the political scientists, who can get so much of what they think they need sitting in their dorm room using their computer? How do we get them into Dover Library? That's something that we are working on. Um, I would like to see students think of our library space as their space. It is not a space that is owned and managed by the librarians, but it is a space where they can plug into and create and explore and think. And so it's gonna take a lot of conversations across campus to see how this group of students wants to experience that space. It's also gonna take a lot of conversations and stakeholder building with faculty to get them to think of our library as their space too. That, hey, bring your class over. Just because you bring your class over doesn't mean you have to do a library instruction. You can just use the space, use the collection, touch things, <laughs> engage with things, make noise, eat food. That's fine. Um, but wait a second, you can eat food in the you library can now. Eat food wow. in the library, yes, you can. So I think we'll get some coffee there at some point, right? I would totally take coffee at our library. <laughs> the doors are open for that. So um, all three of us love books. I'm. I'm I think it's safe to say all three of us love books. Um, maybe maybe even Noah. Okay, we'll count Noah. All four of us love books. Um, I've had the chance to write a few. There's no greater satisfaction than finishing a book. Um, what's, what, do you, what do you think the future of the book is? Oh, that is such a, it is a heavy question. Yes, it is. Um, books are not going away. In general, whether we look at it from an academic stance or even from a popular, you know, casual reading stance, um, books are not going away. People still want to read and honestly escape and imagine, and books are a really big part of that. Um, and so while format for books has changed and evolved and we've got you know, our e-readers, our Kindles, e-books, but we've also got print books. Um, the role of the book in society, while it may change a little bit, it still has a place there just because of how it feeds our ability to imagine and to think. 
So you run a library on the campus of a private university. Um, oftentimes, private universities become islands and they don't reach out, they don't engage those around them. Do you have thoughts or maybe already some existing um, outreach, partnerships, collaborative exhibits, um, things in the works with other libraries, museums, the community? Talk, talk, to, about the, talk to us about the outward-facing element of Dover Library. This is a piece that we are actively growing. Um, a private institution library that sits alone on its island, it will wither and die mm. because it doesn't have enough that feeds into it because it's also not feeding out. And so over the last couple of years, uh, we have developed partnerships with a couple of organizations across Cleveland County. Um, the Earl Scruggs Museum is one of those. Mm -hmm. Also, um, Cleveland County Government, where we've worked on different uh, historical partnerships. Uh, that has led to collaborative exhibits we have also worked with the Kings Mountain Historical Museum on some collaborative exhibits. Um, and we have just begun conversations with the town of Boiling Springs to have those initial thoughts of how can our library be part of the Boiling Springs community so that our wider external to Gardner Webb community feels welcome and that it's a place that they can come and engage you know, with the materials we have and to be part of our space too. All right, so you've got the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences sitting beside you. Let's, let's engage the two of you in a bit of conversation here. What, what are some ways that the College of Arts and Sciences and Dover Library at Gardner-Webb might collaborate to do something special, something innovative? Um, digital humanities, I mean, you're building a podcast studio. What, what are some of, some of the ways that, that, that you guys can complement each other in your work? I think it's a natural collaboration. Um, when I think about what are libraries in society, what are libraries on a university campus, I think about the College of Arts and Sciences and those programs and you know, what Dr. Prickett said about you know critical thinking and evaluation. Um, we have some really strong shared common goals. Um, so I think if we throw a dose of uh, creativity and out-of-the-box thinking into that, we can come up with some really good stuff in terms of partnering together. And, and I think the groundwork's already been laid for a while. Again, I showed up in January, so a month ago. Uh, but one of the things that is in place... Uh, so we have a monthly meeting with all the department chairs, uh, the Council of College of Arts and Sciences. And one of the things that impressed me was when I went to the first meeting, um, three days into my uh, job here, uh, and looking around the room, um, Natalie was there. And it was great to see that the library was already in those College of Arts and Science meetings. Um, they had already set up kind of those conversations to start. And so I, th I think there's really truly, like I said, a foundation already built easily. Did you um, let her come back to the next meeting? I did. Yeah. We invited her. We All have right. now been in communication a couple of times. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, I think there have already been kind of that groundwork laid. Um, so with the two new people here in this room, um, I think there's some real possibilities moving forward. Good stuff. We have started conversations with uh, Dr. Alston that mm -hmm. uh, Dean Prickett had mentioned earlier, and um, Communications, Art, and Design in the Library is beginning a collaboration with the library's new podcasting studio. 
So we're going to lean on the network and the podcasting expertise of Dr. Olson and her professors, and then they are going to utilize our space and our facilities, and we're going to be part of that together. And we're hoping that it will transform into a podcasting speaker series. So we will, we will see what happens. Good, good. All right, so Natalie, you've been in the job for less than a week? Yes. And... <laughs> This is week seven today. Week se- not that you're counting. It's not that I'm counting. Starting today. All right. So question to both of you, but since you got a few weeks on her, um, what's a day in the life of a dean look like? What, what does a dean do? Um, so that's a great question. Um, today I'm doing this podcast uh, to start with, and then I'm going back to my office to uh, create a chart for you, in fact, um, for a uh, potential hire that we have going on. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, when you, ta- when you take a step back, there is no typical day, um, mm. and I have laughingly referred to uh, my job as if, if I'm doing it right, uh, I'm part firefighter. Uh, whatever fire has come up, whether that's faculty, personnel, uh, whether that's programmatic curriculum, uh, whether that's student issues, uh, kind of making sure that that's the case. But then the other piece of it really truly is, um, and, and I am okay with this. Again, I say this with love. Um, if I'm doing my job, I'm, I'm an accordion in some real ways. Um, there is a squeeze from faculty and students and staff, but there's also a squeeze from the university itself. Um, and if I'm doing my job well, I'm advocating when I need to, and that can be advocating for the university, that can be advocating for the college, that can be advocating for a student or a faculty member. Um, but that squeeze of kind of uh, contradictory sometimes, uh, hopefully complementary, but typically contradictory, a kind of components of needs and wants and desires and ultimate goals, um, kind of work to create that kind of accordion feel some days. Uh, but ultimately, uh, no day is typical. There, there is no such thing. Uh, I have lovely, uh, I am a great believer in the Outlook calendar, and I check that frequently and then realize that, you know, by about 10 a.m., none of it matters anymore, <laughs> and that I'll swing into those meetings or I'll send the text apologizing because I got to go take care of this other thing. So, and for, and for me, uh, I, I won't speak for Natalie, but for, for me, that's what's exciting about this job is, you know, I, I, when I was an English professor, I knew what my day was. I knew, I knew where that was going. And part of what intrigued me and got me interested in administration was I, I like not knowing what's going to happen the next day and ultimately trying to problem solve when I don't know what's happening. So for me, that's... The dean as accordion. That's, that's, that's a right. new one. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natalie Bishop, what's a, what's a day in the life of the dean of the library? Well, uh, like Dr. Prickett said, it changes on a minute-by-minute basis. Um, but I'll give you today as an example. Okay. Um, when we wrap up here, I'm going to go meet with the provost to talk about uh, updates to strategic planning for the library and then uh, ask her exactly who we need to talk to to get coffee shop going at the library. <laughs> um, so there's things like that. Um, I'm pretty sure that at some point in today, I'm going to sign a couple of invoices and then take a look at our budget because that part of the foundational day today is important. Um, so being dean is holding that foundational day today, every day, and being part of that world, but it's also being part of thinking big. So uh, yesterday is a really good example. I was walking the floor and I was like, oh, 
this has got to be a little bit different, but I can't see it. Like, I just can't see it. So I decided every time I had to go to a different place in the building, I was going to walk across the floor. And then probably about three o'clock in the afternoon, I saw it. And I was like, oh, I saw how this can be different. I can see how this main floor of the library can be completely different in a radical way that I had not thought about that can really change how we utilize our space to make better spaces for our students and spaces for gathering and creativity. And so that is one of the really exciting parts of my job. And to be at the dean level, I get to do something about it. It's not just, whoa, like I saw it and I had the thought. Now I can take that into action steps and a plan and let's get this going somewhere. All right, so you mentioned big thinking, you mentioned strategic planning. Here's the exit question for both of you. In five years, what do you most want students and alumni to notice about the college and about the library? I want our students to feel like our library is a place where they belong and that they are welcome. It is a place that they want to be. And as a result of that, they come and they explore and they think and they create. And I hope as a result of that, as they move out into the world as alumni and they think about how do I want to give back to that community that sort of first built me up, you know, from high school and, you know, my late teen years into early adulthood. And I hope they think back to the library as a community. And as we continue to grow and evolve, because 10 years from now, I don't want the library to be the same as it is now. And then 10 years beyond that, it should be different again, that um, our students and our alumni think, hey, I want to contribute back to that place in a meaningful way so that future students get to have that same experience that I did to grow and to figure out who I am and what does that mean for me in the world. It's a safe place to do that. It's a safe place to make mistakes while you're figuring out who you are and what you're going to do. Good. Thanks. Um, to piggyback, every, everything she said, I think, is not only for the library, right? I mean, we want to have students have that community. I mean, that's a great retention component mm -hmm. is feeling connected to this university. But, you know, also on all those micro levels, too, feeling connected to their department, feeling connected to the career path that they have are envisioning, if they are envisioning one. I would love for f five years from now um, students who come here to not only feel those connections but also feel that connection to exploration and not that they have to come in. Um, there are some really great conversations going now in the World College of Arts and Science. Um, in fact, the... Um, former president of the Council of College of Arts and Science, um, an organization, uh, gave his speech, and he was arguing for elimination of majors um, because he was arguing that we needed the exploration component, that that was kind of his vision for the future. And, and I think there's something very key to that. I think we tend to focus on, especially in terms of retention, we, we tend to focus on those ways that we get students hooked into that major really quickly. Um, as a key component, but I think there's also something to to his speech 
um, talking about that component of encouraging exploration, encouraging having students see opportunities, again, back to interdisciplinary, right? Seeing those opportunities, making those connections across departments, across programs, and seeing about those possibilities. So I would love for five years from now, not only for our students, um, especially within the College of Arts and Science, to see those possible career paths and truly kind of connect to Gardner-Webb and, and those programs, but also to see that opportunity that is inherent in a Gardner-Webb education, which is to explore and take those kind of steps and, and kind of press us and push us in some ways to give them those opportunities so that they can truly kind of explore that. Again, to hopefully get them interested and hooked in. The other piece of that is for me, um, I'd love to see more engagement with our alumni base um, in terms of volunteering on campus, volunteering in our programs, um, not just the financial piece, which of course would, would be great as well, but also mentoring possibilities, looking at ways to get alumni to um, engage with the departments uh, that that was their undergrad experience, was their master's experience, and then see how we can partner with them moving forward as well. Because they're out in the field, they're out doing those connections, uh, making those connections in their own career paths at that point. And so if we're not tapping into that uh, collectively as a college, that's just another missed population that we need to connect with our students. All right, very good. That is going to wrap up our conversation with Gardner-Webb's newest academic leaders. Our thanks to Robert Prickett and Natalie Bishop for spending time and sharing thoughts with us today. We wish you both well as you work to enhance the student and faculty experience here at GWU. Okay, listeners, we'll take one more break, and then we'll return to close our episode 15 of Bulldog Dialogue. Gardner-Webb University and the town of Boiling Springs, North Carolina are taking over Main Street on Saturday, April 22nd for Webstock 23. From 1 to 10 p.m., you can catch live music, check out local artisans, engage with street vendors, enjoy local food and beverage, and even bring children to the kids' zone. Music will be provided by Chatham County Line, Cassette Rewind, The Phoebe's Band, 96-ish, and Rutherford County Line. Again, mark your calendars for Webstock 23 on April 22nd from 1 to 10 p.m. on Main Street, Boiling Springs, and the Gardner-Webb University campus. For more information, visit gardner-webb.edu forward slash webstock. Welcome back, everybody. As we wrap up episode 15, a few quick items from Gardner-Webb on social media. We'll start with Twitter, and we'll start with the English department's Twitter page. It's at GWU underscore E-N-G-L. The Gardner-Webb English Department will host award-winning author for Foothills Writers' Day on March 20th. Shelby native Joanna Pearson will visit, and that visit will include an evening presentation open to the public, as well as a session with high school students who are finalists for the Foothills Writers' Contest. Pearson's free presentation is at 7 p.m. in Tucker Student Center's Stewart Hall. She's going to present a reading and discuss her award-winning works. The event is hosted by the University's Department of English, Language, and Literature, the Broad River Review, and the Darlene J. Gravitt Visiting Writer Series, also the Life of the Scholar program. So that's... Uh, Award-winning author Joanna Pearson, March 20th, 
Tucker Student Center. From Twitter to Instagram and some alumni news, this is uh, at Gardner Webb alum. And today we're recognizing class of 05 alumnus Donnie Thurman Jr. Donnie has recently assumed the position of Executive Vice President and Chief Operations Officer of Holy Angels, one of the largest nonprofits in the region. We are incredibly proud of Donnie and all he's doing for the community around him. Donnie, we wish you continued blessings and will continue to cheer you on from Boiling Springs. Keep representing Gardner-Webb with honor and humility. That's Instagram, at Gardner-Webb alum. We invite uh, all of our alumni to share what you have been doing since graduating from Gardner-Webb with our Alumni Relations Office. Keep up to date with the alumni community by following us at Gardner-Webb alum. And one more uh, GWU headliner. This is Instagram, um, back to athletics. I want to remind everybody of the Big South Basketball Championship Tournament. Starts March 1, runs through March 5th. It's at Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte. Buy your tickets now to watch our men's and women's basketball teams bring home a couple crowns. Put some more banners in Paul Porter Arena. To purchase your tickets to the tournament and to check out the schedule, visit GWSports.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks again. Thanks again to Dean Robert Prickett and Dean Natalie Bishop for being our guest today on Bulldog Dialogue. And folks, remember, wherever you are, in the office, on the road, at home, or in the gym, you can find and subscribe to all official Gardner Web podcasts on your favorite platforms like Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Music, Amazon Podcast, and Audible. And until next time for Bulldog Dialogue, I'm Gardner Webb President William Downs. Let's go, dogs. Mm-hmm.